Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dorchester Community Church, and a special welcome if welcome and welcome and a welcome if you're watching our live stream here. My name's Roger. I'm one of the leaders of the church. This is kind of our carols by candlelight with absolutely no candles because that would have been a bit ridiculous at 10:30 in the morning. But it is a kind of carol service, but hopefully with a little bit of a difference as well because we're fitting in with a teaching series going all the way up through to Christmas. A little bit more about that shortly but firstly we're going to stand together and sing our opening carol i think you'll know this it's O come all ye faithful would you please stand if you're able very well disciplined of you there. Normally the traditional, traditional thing to do at the end of a song is to sit down. You've done that the last 17 years. Why not today? Okay, good to see you all. We have been thinking about what we are about as a church through exploring the different Christmas characters and passages in the build-up to what's known as the big day. So Glenn unpacked for us the genealogy of, uh, of Jesus. And uh, remember, Robin, reading all those, uh, that massive long array of, of biblical names. Then he did really, really well. One of those very rare Bible passages that gets a well-deserved round of applause at the end of that reading. But he then brought to us the importance of our own belonging. 
And we call that here membership. If you want to know what the belonging one with another is, we call it membership. You can check out more about that on our website. And as a part of our getting to know one another further, many of you I know are connected into a small group or a life group. And if you don't know what that's all about, I suggest you see someone like Chris or Paul or Glenn who's in the foyer or Martin who sat there and they'll have all the answers for you. Yes, of course they will. Of course they will. Last week we then explored and reflected on Mary's statement, I am the Lord's servant. Powerful statement from that young girl. And we thought about each of us ought to be serving however we are able. Today we're thinking about growing. Not in the context of how we might feel we might grow outwardly uh, as Christmas and all that food and everything else approaches, but growing in the sense of spiritual growth. And to do that, having looked at Mary last week, this week we're going to look at... Brilliant. Two of you worked that one out. That's brilliant. You're on song this morning. Okay, we're going to be looking at Joseph. Our theme is we've got so much more to learn. So I'm sure when we have the, uh, the, uh, the sort of the, the reading, these familiar readings, you think, I know all of this stuff. I wonder how much you know about Joseph. So as a little bit of a fun, light-hearted wake-up this morning, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz about Joseph. How do you feel about that? I wonder how you feel about that. I wonder how the elders feel about that we're going to take to the front here. So if we can welcome Martin and Glyn and Paul and uh, Chris to these seats here. If somebody can give them a pen. Okay, the idea is you don't shout out the answers to these until... Glenn is so reluctant. Here he comes. Have I been spotted in the cafe? Here we go. Okay, so these are obviously based on the Christmas passages because that's where we get the historical account of Joseph. Just think for a few moments of how many times you have heard these passages read. How many times you have read them yourselves. So questions about Joseph, come on, we're all going to know the answers, aren't we? Well, we will see. Bear in mind, no shouting out. You're back to being at school. We want hands up here, but we want to allow the elders to actually make sure they've written the answer to each question before we go any further and get the answers from uh, yourself. Are you okay with that? Okay, and in case you're un- unaware who these, these handsome guys are who are going to be leading the church on from here, we've got Martin, Paul, Glenn, and Chris. And Paul is the one with a pencil because he's the only one that can write. Okay, here is question number one. Question number one. So you can work as a team, guys. I didn't want to humiliate you all individually. Work as a team. Okay, and I know they've been doing a lot of this working as a team over recent weeks. What was the name of Joseph's father? New Testament Joseph. New Testament Joseph. That's it. Bit of conferring there. Bit of conferring. Have a little bit of a think. Have a little bit of a think. And then when you've got your answer, guys, let me know. and We'll see how many people from the floor have got it. No, you're not allowed to Google it or any concordance. Paul's asking how you spell that, I think, right? Okay, have you got an answer? They reckon they got an answer. Okay, stick with your answer you've got. Who's going to come up with the answer, please? Hands up. What was the name of the father of Joseph? <laughs> Anybody know at all, Hick? Was it Kevin? Was it Kevin? <laughs> Jesse? Was it Jesse? Not Jesse, not Jesse. We're getting close. It was Jacob. Well done. Round of applause, please. Okay. Uh, what did you have there? Josiah. You're not getting half a point for Jay. No, you're not getting half a point for Jay. Okay, question number two. How many dreams do we have recorded in the Bible that Joseph had? Think of a number. How many dreams? I'll give you a clue. It's either one, two, three, four, or five. Okay, Bella thinks she knows. Right, we'll just, we'll just wait for the elders to confer here. Okay, anybody, any ideas? Yes, Pat? 
two. Good guess, elders. We think it was two. You think it was two? Bella? It's four. Bella's got the right answer. Amazing. Well done. Her dad, clueless. But Bella, brilliant. Okay. Question number three. How old was Jesus when Joseph presented him at the temple to be circumcised? Okay. How many days old? Have a little bit of a think. And no, no cheating looking in your Bibles there. Okay. Okay. Anybody, any idea? Eight days. Eight days. Sylvia is right. What have you got here, elders? We agree. They've got an answer right. <laughs> well done. Well done, guys. That's, is that one out of three? But you're off. No, it's they're all smiling, thinking, yes. Okay, question number four. Joseph and Mary marveled about what was said about Jesus by who? Oi, who's shouting out there? Just because it's the first one that you knew. Was that you, David, calling out? It was here. Oh, it was, okay. Have we got the answer over here? <laughs> Have you written one day? <laughs> it is Simeon. Who thought it was Simeon? Yeah, you're putting your hands up now, aren't you? Okay, question number five. After Jesus was born, where was Joseph warned to escape to? That's question number five. Oh, Martin's got his shoulders back. He's confident on that one. Any ideas? It was Egypt. Round of applause for yourselves. What did you have, guys? Egypt. They got another one right. Brilliant. Number six. Who wanted to kill Jesus? Who wanted to kill Jesus? Yes, it was. And they got that one as well. Good. Number seven. When they return to Nazareth, Matthew sees this as a fulfilling of what was spoken through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. But can you name one of the prophets? One of the prophets who said he will be called a Nazarene. Have a think, guys, and confirm. I have no clue. <laughs> Nor do they, so you're not on your own by that. Okay, we'll have a hands up while they confirm it. Anybody, any idea? Anybody going to hazard a guess? Guys, what have you got there? We've got Isaiah. Isaiah is a good answer. There is no record of any prophet having said that. Ah, well, there was one or two wry smiles. I thought, I think it's a trick question. Okay, hard lines, guys, hard lines. Good guess, but wrong. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. Not going to ask you. Okay, three more. List one thing that Joseph is recorded as saying in the Gospels. One thing only. Okay, have a think, and then you can have your hands up here. Anybody want to hazard a guess at that? Yep. I missed that. Nice. Do you have any beds for the night? As a good guess, but that's not the. Qu- yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's no record of anything being said at all by Joseph. Almost half a point, actually, for making me laugh, I have to say, like that. Okay, a couple more. What is the latest reference we have to Joseph in the Bible? What is the latest reference we have to Joseph in the Bible? You don't have to get the verse, but have a think about the context here as to... Yeah, I'm not going to say any more. Okay, they're conferring... Any ideas from the floor here? Any ideas at home? Yes, Robin. Yes. He is referenced at the start of Jesus' ministry. Isn't this the carpenter's son? It's actually when Jesus was 12 years of age in Luke chapter 2, verse 48. But that's a good response from Colin. Uh, from Colin. From Robin. <laughs> Who's Colin? From Robin. What did you, what did you have, guys? Mentioned in Hebrews 11. We're not going to delve into Hebrews this morning. You're not going to get that because that's not what I've got down here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last question. How old was Joseph when he died? 
How old was Joseph when he died? Anybody from the floor while these guys are having a think? What have you got, guys? It doesn't say, says Mr. Webber. He is correct. Round of applause for these guys. Okay. Add up, add up the, the scores that you've got there. It shouldn't be that difficult. So, out of, out of 11, the leaders of Dorchester Community Church from this moment on, in the most famous passages in Scripture, you've scored. There was 11 questions. How many, Paul? We've got five. Five. A deserved round of applause, please. Back you go, guys, to your seats. Aren't they being very good sports? Can we please thank them? Well done. (laughs) Ah, dear, you can get me afterwards. Sack me. (laughs) We're going to sing another carol now. Joy to the world, because that is what this message is all about. Joy to the world, joy to you and to me. If we enter into the truth of what this message is about. And if you're able, please do stand. Morning, everybody. I'm Charlene. I'm one of the leadership team. Um, My prayer today is going to be based on the name Emmanuel. So let us pray together. Father God, the day of celebration is upon your people. As we prepare to celebrate the birth of your son, we ask that you would stop our rushing around and our frantic preparation to help us consider that Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and Saviour, is already here among us. He is God with us, Jesus, our Emmanuel. E for expectation. Emmanuel, show us how each one of our days, not just Christmas, should and can be filled with the expectation of all you want to do and through our lives. Restore to our hearts the constant wonder anticipation of your life living in us. M for mercy. Emmanuel, the Father's great gift of mercy was given to us through your birth, life, death and resurrection. We no longer live as condemned people, but as fully forgiven and redeemed people. How thankful we are for the sacrifice you made so that we may live in freedom and victory every day of our lives on this earth. M for mindfulness. Emmanuel, we want to be intensely aware of your presence each and every moment. Help us to sense your nearness at all times and in every circumstance, whether good or bad. May our ears be attentive to hear your voice alone, so that we don't fall into the lies of the enemy, who would like nothing better than to distract us or cause us to fall into sin. Draw us close, Emmanuel. We will fix our eyes upon you. Fear and uncertainty you can remove. A for adoration. Emmanuel, you are the one our hearts long for, and we give you praise and honour and glory, and offer up our whole self as a living sacrifice. Our lips will sing your praises every day. Not just this day, not just with beautiful hymns and carols, but also with our actions and obedience. Yours is the mighty power and glory and victory and majesty. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. And for nations, Emmanuel, you are the king. You rule the nations of the earth. You came for every single person on this earth. You have commissioned us to share the gospel throughout the nations. Use us to your purpose to seek and save those who are lost and without hope so that we may be part of the fulfilling of God's promise. You for understanding. Emmanuel, we long for an even deeper understanding of all that you are. Show us how to dig more deeply into your heart and to long to know you more intimately than ever before. Help us to fully grasp the love of the Father. We want to have a greater awareness of your character and to be more yielding to the working of your spirit within us. Mould us and shape us in our hearts for your purpose. E for eternity. Emmanuel, because you have set eternity in our hearts, we are already living in eternity and will live with you forever and ever. What an amazing gift. Help us to live today in the light of eternity. May we continually be praying and acting so that 
on earth as it is in heaven, becomes a reality in the midst of those who interact with us. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven and throughout eternity. Our list for love, Emmanuel, you are the gift of love sent from God, the Father to us and all humanity. Our greatest commandments are to love God with all our hearts, soul, strength and mind and to love others as ourselves. May this be a continual reality in our lives as long as we draw breath here on earth. We ask that you would help us to comprehend the love that the Father has for you is also in your people. We pray for those known to us and those not known to us who are suffering loss, ill health and brokenness. Draw close to them all and work through us to provide practical support and loving kindness. We thank you for the time we had with Roger with us. Bless him in his new season. Help unify us as a church while we step into change and adapting. We trust in you and look forward to meeting who you send next. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Our Bible readings today are from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And in Luke we have, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him. In the inn. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And we're going back to Matthew. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. 
Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Thank you very much, Joe. Variety of passages there that we all know so well, unless you're an elder of the church, evidently. <laughs> now, you may well have noticed that David Herring wasn't here this morning. Uh, David was unable to be here, but what I want to know is who tipped him off that there was going to be a quiz. So if you're watching, David, the guys are going to be after you, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so we're going to be thinking a little bit about those passages that have been uh, read to us. Uh, It's been quite a busy, hectic uh, week for me, a variety of different uh, challenges, a lot to to be involved with, a lot to do, a lot of late nights, one of those being last night, night as I was still piecing uh, together uh, what I felt was right to bring uh, this morning. As ever, I was FaceTiming my mum, which I always uh, do. Um, Dad need, uh, de- needs quite a bit of support through his Alzheimer's, so mum values a, a little bit of uh, support as well. So I try and make contact each, uh, each day, usually of an evening, but it was quite late last night. So I said to mum, I, I won't, be, won't be too long because uh, you know, it is already quite late and I've still got quite a lot to do. It's going to be really quite a late night. I'm really quite shattered. I explained about uh, still having quite a bit of preparation to do. And mum in a way that only mums uh, can do, just without a flinch. I wouldn't worry about it too much. You'll be fine. People only tend to listen to the first five minutes anyway. (laughs) Bless her. Bless her. There was a little boy who was... quite frightened by a thunderstorm that uh, was uh, uh, sort of brewed up at bedtime. And so he wanted to, to, uh, his mum to go in and sleep with him in his bed. She said, I can't, I'm ever so sorry, I have to sleep with daddy. The child sulked and on her way out, she overheard a little boy saying, the big sissy, <laughs> thinking that actually that was the reason why she had to go back and be with his dad. Joseph was to become the father of Jesus, but I have to say was far from a big sissy. He appears in every nativity scene, but never has a line to say. He's a central character, and yet, as with so many central key characters, he's actually in the background. You can look around church life, and I know over the years I've been here, some very key central characters who've been, at best, still in the background. But church would not have happened would it, were it not have been for those key central characters. So we've got this guy, Joseph. I want to suggest four things that we can maybe draw from his life that are known about us, from those passages that we had read to us by uh, Joe today. As we see his own willingness to learn, and from that, hopefully our own willingness to learn and then grow in God, each and every one of us. So here's the first one. May it be that we seek to learn how to live the right way. Now, Scripture says that Joseph was righteous. That means that he was right with God. Now, no one is a completely righteous man or righteous uh, woman because each of us, uh, as well as back then, but also today, we are sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the standard that God expects. We know that to be true ourselves. From what the Bible says, Joseph must have somewhere along the line, in a way that we don't know, must have had a taste or an experience of God and his grace, that he looked unto God for his salvation, and then in response to that, had sought to live by God's way. And that's how Christianity works. You don't become a Christian by seeking to be a good person. No, that's what we like to feel. So it's all about me and my effort. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says that. So I don't know who made that one up. We recognize that we're all on the same playing field. 
We've all blown it. We all need that sense of forgiveness from God and his gift of forgiveness and salvation is a gift if we turn to him and get the whole Jesus bit and where that fits and where that works and we ask for his forgiveness. We invite him in to take full control of our lives and in response to that, hopefully when we then seek to do some of the stuff that Glyn was saying in, in a couple of weeks ago about linking in and connecting with others and we also seek to serve out of that relationship that we have got with our God. It's no accident, I don't think, that Matthew records that Joseph had no union, in verse 25, with Mary until after she gave birth to Jesus. Now, we don't know if that's as a result of what um, what uh, Joseph had been told, or whether or not it was just as a result of what he sensed was right, given the context of what was going on. For whatever reason, the marriage was only consummated after Mary had the Christmas baby. And think about that. We know other readings talk about Mary being with child, that the Virgin Mary, well, that could have only happened if she was a virgin. And you can work that one out by way of uh, implication. It's a very small verse, but it's an incredibly key verse. For had Joseph and Mary had sex together and Jesus being the result of that, then Jesus would not have been sinless. Because obviously Joseph and Mary were people like you and me who would have fallen short of God's standard. They would have been sinful people. This Jesus would then not have been able to have been able to be the punishment for your sin and mine. It had to be the perfect dying for the imperfect. So it's a really important verse. Otherwise, this Jesus would never have been able to be yours and my saviour. Somewhere along the lines, Joseph has clocked this and he is wanting to learn to live in a right way. Even though when he initially got that news, that quite horrendous news, can you imagine where your betrothed, you discover then, is pregnant? And of course, he initially wanted to initiate the, uh, the sense of divorce. But even with that, he did that in such a way where he was very, very gentle in terms of, I don't want this to be a public thing. And we'll come on to that. Learn how to live a right way in response to that faith that you've got. Second thing that I think we get from Joseph is this. Let's seek to discover how to become more sensitive. Now, some of you have that great gift of sensitivity. My mother is not one of those people, as you would have deduced from her statement to me uh, last night. She's a wonderful mum, but tact, diplomacy, and coming up with the right word on the right occasion by her own confession would not be maybe top of her gift set. Discover how to be, become more sensitive to others and also to God. Hearing of an unplanned pregnancy can cause great shock. You may well have been one of those people that's heard about that kind of shock uh, with a friend or in a family situation, and that can be very, very difficult. We know what it means when a young girl announces that they are pregnant. Joseph had to deal with that. And we kind of very often just brush over that and move on to the rest of the Christmas story. And it's all about joy to the world. Well, hang on a minute, just pause and allow that to sink in about what that would have been like for Joseph upon initially hearing that, that news. They hadn't had any of relations themselves in that way. Their engagement in their own culture would have been the same as if they were married in our culture. So in theory, Joseph could have allowed Mary in his culture to have been stoned. That would have been deemed okay because of her deemed sin that had occurred as to why she had ended up being pregnant. He recognized, though, that whatever a spouse does, respect must remain. And if you want to see where that's demonstrated most, it's Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. As a God-honoring man, he puts his own feelings aside in an incredible way as he seeks to end that relationship with Mary quietly for her sake to avoid public disgrace. How do we respond when we feel we've been deeply wronged? And that would have been the initial reaction for Joseph. And who can blame him? We need to maybe seek to sort out a situation one-to-one with an individual who we feel has hurt us or upset us. You would have heard me said that dozens of times over the years. But sometimes that may well not be possible. And we've got that kind of stuff fueling within. 
we need to choose to take the higher ground very often. Maybe there's a situation in your own life going on right now and something is coming to mind. And it's just been a struggle to work that out with an individual. And there's that unhealthiness going on within. And maybe today God is saying to you, look at Joseph. Choose to take the higher ground. Tough call. But that is nonetheless what Joseph sought to do. In areas where we're most hurt, we're most likely to throw mud. Joseph shows something of the attitude of Jesus. Can you remember how he treated the woman that had been caught in adultery? Okay, guys, you, that, you, you lot that are just about to stone her, no problem. Let him who is without sin throw the first stone. Carry on, carry on. I'm waiting. And it's almost like a Monty Python sketch. And then quite noticeably, the one's eldest, the wisest, one after the other, dropped their stones because they realized that they were guilty themselves. So much easier, isn't it, to point out somebody else's sin when they just sin in a different way to ourselves. And then there's only two people in that scene who remain. Jesus and that poor woman who'd been dragged out in in the public to have her name discredited. Where's all your accusers, Jesus says. Don't they now condemn you? Well, in that case, neither do I condemn you. But he does give her a little bit of a word of warning to say, but now go, leave your life of sin. Joseph picks up something, it strikes me, of that right attitude. But he also has an incredible sensitivity to God's Holy Spirit as well. We're aware of four occasions he hears from God in a dream. I know the elders are going to be checking these gospel accounts to check that that's right. Four occasions. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Where he hears from God. Once before the birth of Jesus and then three times after. His first three dreams are where God speaks to him directly about what he must do. And every single time he hears, he discerns and he does it. As we're, uh, we need to ask ourselves, maybe are we in that place we are, where we are able to hear what God is saying to us, able to block out everything else around us? Is there too much of ourselves hearing our own voice that we're unable to discern what God uh, is? Are we too busy to be still and hear? There may not be this audible voice coming out like this, but every now and then there are that sense where we feel God is speaking to us. I wish I uh, was able to say uh, from the front here today, you know, that's my daily occurrence. <laughs> it isn't. I'm really sorry to disappoint you. Every now and then there have been those moments. And March 2019 was one of those. Went away for a weekend, went to a different church called Grace Community Church. And without anticipating this, God spoke about whether or not it was right to move on, to consider a new season. Hit me like a train. And to take stock about thinking of how others may well be equipped before you make that decision and also to seek to end well. Now, I'm not going to unpack the rest of that message. We were in a church that day where nobody knew us at all. As we sat, God spoke. Ask him to speak to you in a way that you might hear. And maybe, as you ask, block out a sense of time so that there's just him and you. Maybe there'll be some of the time you don't get anything at all. I usually get all stupid stuff planning. I try to do all the right spiritual things, you know, eat well, sleep well, then sit in that sort of that either shampoo position or to sit with my hands held open. Right, I'm here, I'm here. And usually nothing comes at all. But every now and then it may well be that if we create the space at a time of his choosing, there may well be a word that you discern that will be life-changing for you. And Joseph seemed to be able to discern that. I wonder if it's any coincidence that Joseph is spoken to while he is asleep. He was still then, wasn't he? He was shut up then. And maybe some of you have been awoken at times, and that has been when God has put something in your mind. We shared actually uh, in the life group, the the Wednesday afternoon life group a few weeks ago about how that was true in the context of what happened with this new building. 
at about three or four o'clock in the morning where there was something that was plopped in to uh, someone's mind. Next thing, choose to be obedient. Choose to be obedient. We can see the obedience of Joseph in response to what God has said. Nothing indicates any doubt or refusal from him about what God has said. Quite staggering, really, when you think about some of the stuff that he had said to him. Uh, Joseph also gave the baby uh, the name Jesus. You see that in Matthew chapter chapter 1, verse uh, 25. So the angel there says uh, to Joseph, she will give birth to a son. And you, Joseph, you, you've got a significant role here. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because, listen for the, 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 uh, the meaning of this word, because he will save his people from their sins. There's power in a name. So he was given that name, and that name literally means the Lord saves. Just imagine, he could have actually thought, I've got a better idea. I like the name Brian. But it kind of wouldn't really have had the same effect, would it? For us looking back, we can see right the way from that pre-birth, there was power in the name of Jesus. And there still is. He then presents Jesus with Mary at the temple in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And does everything required of them by the law. Again, obedience. Totally and completely And I found myself asking myself the question this week. Is that always how I am? I'm okay with the good bits in here. But don't you think there are times where you want to get the Tipex bottle out? Because there are some uncomfortable things there. We'd rather those bits weren't there. If God says it, and we claim to be a follower of his, we ought to seek to do it. There's some tough things sometimes that we're asked to actually do. Choose to be obedient especially in those moments where you feel there's a bit of a clash between what you want to do and what you sense may well be what God's saying and it's then we need his help that by his grace we remember the words of Jesus in Gethsemane who said but not what I will what you will that's tough choose to be obedient one more thing Discern how to be courageous. And particularly because Joseph is a man, I want you guys who are men here, and I hope all you guys who are men are men here today. Even though there's been a celebration of gender-neutral awards ceremony uh, in the uh, celebrity uh, world this week, I particularly want to think about you guys here who are men. Joseph doesn't freak out when he's confronted by an angel. That's the first thing. When that angel speaks to him in a dream, again, he doesn't freak out. He's not afraid to be seen in public with Mary when she is pregnant. And he is registered with her in Galilee, where there would have been queues and queues of people. Word would have got around about, have you heard about? Look, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? Have you thought about what that would have been like for Joseph? But since he'd had that word from God, he is courageous and he's going to stand with his wife in that world. He marries Mary, even though she was carrying someone else's child. In so doing, he shares the unjust shame that would have been heaped upon her. He accepts the role of being a stepfather. He accepts the role of providing for a child not his own. He looks after Mary on the way to Bethlehem. He no doubt encourages her when they hear that there is nowhere to stay. What a guy. Have you thought about those little moments in his journey? A man of courage, a man who is brave, a man of faith, a man of obedience, a man who is prepared to make a stand and tough it out. Although Joseph had the legitimate right to sexual relations with Mary when they married, he doesn't until after the birth of Jesus. It takes strength to say no, especially when the marriage is a green light to say yes. But something created a sense of courage from this guy, Joseph. Later, Joseph protects mother and child as they escape to Egypt under threat of their lives. Then again to Israel, and then after that again to Nazareth. Men, how do we measure up by 
comparison. How courageous are we? Joseph's calling was really tough, but he was a man who was willing to literally man up, to give leadership, to be sacrificial, to be brave, to be strong, and to protect, to be that sense of spiritual leader that many women are looking for in the home and don't get. Guys, it is okay to be in the background in the same way that Joseph was. And yet you can still be a strong man of God and be a giant spiritually. Whether we're at the front or whether in the background is irrelevant because we've each got different roles. But God is looking for men to man up in this day. And as I look back, not only over my tenure here, but in my previous church as well, without wishing to be quite uh, general, one of the things that I've perceived is that very often, more often than not, those who come to the fore when there's a need of something to do are the women. Those who come to the fore with bringing a word from God are the women. Those who come from the fore to make a stand are the women, not the men, because the men haven't got the bottle. Maybe on a day like today, if we're male, think of ourselves in the context of, okay, God, whatever it takes, would you give me this sense of courage? Those early followers of Jesus that were struggling with the sense of persecution that they were going through. When they prayed, they said, would you give us a sense of boldness? Would you give us courage? Make that your prayer, men, that you can be the man of God that God is wanting you to be. In the home, in your workplace, and in this church. Don't hide. Don't just wait for one of the ladies to offer to do it yet again. Many of you men I know are involved. Praise God for that. And don't send me loads of stuff to say, but I do this, but I do that. This is just a sense of what I'm feeling, generally speaking, over the years. There ought to be, if you've got 50-50 kind of split, there ought to be a sense of equality with just as many men that are there to the fore as women. That's not my experience. And as I meet with other pastors in other areas, it's not their experience either. Maybe today, as we think about Joseph, it's a time for us as men to say, Where am I at in this sense of being a courageous man of God? And if you want to know what it takes to be a man's man, I suggest you look at the only man that we're able to look at who was without fault. You know his name is Jesus. Read again the life, his words, through the context of of him being a man, aside his divinity and everything else. And see how he was both gentle with those who needed that gentle word, but also strong, confrontational when other people needed it. Willing to make a stand and ultimately willing to say, I am going to go through torture and the cross out of love for the entire human race. That is not a wussy thing to do. This Jesus gave his life, life, both as a man as well as Son of God, for your sin and mine, that we might know our sin forgiven because we believe that it was nailed to that cross along with Jesus. And through believing that, all that stuff, all that stuff in the past, in the present, and the unsure doubts that we may well have in the future, go. We're set free. We've got that sense of forgiveness from the the past, a sense of a sense of purpose in the now and a sense of hope for the future. Isn't that what each of us want? Isn't that what each of us are looking for? The only way we get that, both with past, present and future, is by entrusting our whole lives to this Jesus. I'd encourage you to do just that. We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing a very familiar carol called O Little Town of Bethlehem. And if you think it's just a twee little carol, Think about some of the words as we sing it. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. May it be that this might be someone's experience today. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this man, Joseph, who is there throughout that Christmas story, but not loads of attention drawn to him. And that's probably quite right because our attention needs to be on the child, on the child's saviour. And yet, as with every other biblical character and every receiving that call, that challenge, saying, count me in, 
We pray for your grace and positive commitment to what it means to be a man of God. In Jesus' precious name we ask these things. Amen. Let's continue in prayer as we close together. Father, thank you for the opportunity of our own being here today. Because you're here. Thank you for the opportunity to sing of joy to the world. And whatever our own individual world might look like, amidst the pain, amidst the struggle, amidst some of the stuff that we don't get or the stress that we're maybe going through right now, may we know something of the taste of your joy that only you can bring. Father God, I want to pray for the elders of this church as they seek to lead your people that we call here Dorchester Community Church. For Chris, for Glenn, for Martin, for Paul, for David, for the trustees as they think of the future and a new pastor. For Michelle as she chairs that group. Father God, for all that woman gives out for you, would you protect her? Would you grant to her strength and wisdom and grace? For the deacons who seek to serve you behind the scenes and are continually seeking to rethink their own role in this new building, what the role of a deacon might look like, would you bless and lead them? For Romy, the new pastoral care worker here, wow, God, we thank you for that woman. We thank you for a gift for gifts, for a heart, for people. We pray for your protection upon her and for your spirit's anointing and overflowing. We pray for her and husband David and the boys as they seek to uh, reunite together. God, may that be a special occasion. For other staff members of, of Lit, for Liz and for John behind the scenes administratively and practically, God, we pray that you might bless them in their role as they seek to do hour after hour after hour after hour without most of us having any idea what their work entails. And for this church, who are your people, God, I would ask that you would bless them, that you might grant to them that courage as they are prepared to maybe seek out to charter uncharted waters that they might indeed have the confidence to step out of the boat to go where you are leading them as they seek to connect with this local community and beyond bless this church and god as we pray for your blessing upon this church so we want to pray for a particular family who are at the heart of this community who are here both remembering and celebrating this week in the loss of their own young child. We pray for Graham and Katie and their son, Zach, an incredible family who are going to need more than a touch of your love. Part of that, we pray, may well touch them through your people here. God, in all their pain, the pain that we can't imagine, may they really have a, a, a very real sense of the everlasting arms wrapping them up in your incredible love. Not that life's going to be great or fun from now on, but that it is going to be okay and indeed more than okay because you're going to be with them in that journey. And we thank you that we can unite all of our prayers as we commit one another to you. In Jesus' precious name, in whose name we ask these things. Amen.